0: Marvelous. So, tell me a bit about yourself and your background.
1: Oh well, I already told you I'm I'm an old hillbilly <laughs> that lives in the woods. I uh, mm-hmm. have, have always run. It seems like I started when I was just a kid, and and uh, and ran track and cross country in high school, and and never was able to shake it. I remember my mother asking me when I was about thirty when if I was, you know, when I was going to grow up and stop this running stuff.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm still waiting. <laughs> Actually, I, I grew old and the running part stopped, but I still get out and walk quite a few miles.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. Did you have any influences when you were younger as to how you got into running?
1: Um. I guess my high school coach, uh, Milner Cardin, was a big influence on me. He was a really, he was a really good coach and a a really good mentor Mm -hmm. and, uh, of course, like all good youth youth sports experiences, it taught you a lot about not just the sport, but about life.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Especially about the part where you have to work for everything you get.
2: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. You
0: can you can use that in any aspect of life, can't you?
1: Yes, and running is one of the hardest places to just rely on talent, especially running distance mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. did you did you do any other sports or was it just running?
1: I when I was uh a sophomore in high school here the the tenth grade
2: mm-hmm. I
1: was a uh, five foot tall seventy pound male. And my choices of sports were pretty well limited. I had a really sports oriented family.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. And I always
1: thought that you should try out, you know, you should try to make the team and be on one of the sports teams. But even wrestling, the lightest weight division was 20 pounds heavier than me.
2: Nice.
1: <laughs> there just wasn't anything I wasn't too small for, except you can always run, you don't have to be big. And True. Then, then I grew, so.
2: What
0: was it? That... I did
1: eventually become the same size as everyone else.
0: Yeah, eventually. <laughs> never, never quite joined the NFL then.
1: Yeah, no, I did I didn't become that big, but I got a lot bigger <laughs> than I was.
0: Yeah. Uh, when did you transition into long distance running? If you did track at school.
1: Well, that was. That well, we considered it long-distance running to run the mile and the two mile. Okay. But, uh, mm-hmm. That was that was that was a pretty natural transition. I was not only small, I was not quick or fast. Right. So there were really limited options.
2: Okay.
1: And it it turns out that you know that was that was good because I got into a sport that I was have been able to maintain my whole life.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: What does running mean to you then? Does it mean anything special?
1: <laughs> it's just what I do, it's who I am. Uh, I get out every day and do my miles. Mm-hmm. Days day like today, I play the old man card to say, yeah, <laughs> I don't have to get out. There. <laughs> I, I am planning to do a, a thousand miler this summer, okay. but I don't think today's training is vital. And last time I did a long run like that, it rained. I trained through lots and lots of cold rain, and I was miserable all the time and said, well, I'm paying my dues. And then when it's nice in the, in the actual run, it'll turn out, you know it'll it'll pay off. But yeah. what happened instead was I got really tired of being out in the cold rain. and then when it was cold and rainy for a, for a big part of my actual run, yeah. I was I was already kind of mentally done with it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. want any more rain.
0: <laughs> yeah, does it rain a lot in Tennessee?
1: Um, this time of year, cold rain is 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 kind of the thing. We would like to say that freezing rain is the state bird. Okay. <laughs>
0: well, that's not ideal, is it?
1: No, no, I think that. The worst possible weather is 30, 30 to 35 degrees and rainy. because, you, you know, if it just gets a little, just a few degrees colder, it'll come down as a, as a solid and it won't soak you through.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But it always comes down at the exact temperature where it is going to soak you through.
1: Yeah. It likes <laughs> to be as cold as it can get and still be water.
0: <laughs> Delightful. That sounds great. So tell, uh, tell me about your 1,000 mile that you're planning then.
1: Uh, I had been planning. I did a transcon in 2018, and I was planning to do one again in uh,
2: 2021.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, to do this one, I the first one I did as hard as I could do and beat myself half to death. Right. And this time I was going to take it easier and have more fun. And, of course, things have not really worked out for that. (laughs) No. (laughs) So far, 2021 is not really a good time to do a transcon. So I've I've had a lot of obstacles come up, and I finally had to back off. But I have lots of little projects in my head to do, so I'm going to run or walk now from Lake Michigan to the Gulf of Mexico. It's actually only 969 miles, but that's Pretty
2: far. Definitely.
0: That's all right. You can just do a loop of 31 miles at the end. Round up.
1: (laughs) We'll see. I'll (laughs) I'll leave it if the am When I finish, I won't be very far from Tallahassee. Okay. Which is is kind of a cool city in Florida. So, you know, if if I went crazy and had an extra day, I might go to Tallahassee and make it an even thousand. but We'll see how enthusiastic about that I am after nine hundred and sixty nine miles.
2: <laughs> yeah. The question is,
0: is the food good in Tallahassee? Because if so, you could really refuel well there.
1: Uh, the, the, there's good food everywhere. Just different food. Tallahassee I should have access to seafood.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. But then again
1: when I when I always gotta finish on the Gulf Coast, so I should there should be seafood there too. <laughs>
0: It sounds really good. It sounds really good.
1: That was, that was my big joke on the TransCon. I'd go into restaurants and ask if they had in like Nebraska or Wyoming. say, do you have fresh seafood? <laughs> and they'd say, well, no, we don't have seafood here. We have beef.
2: <laughs> yeah. And
1: I said, but that's, that's really odd because I walked here from the beach.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and they must have thought you were crazy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That was, that was the purpose of the transcon. Whenever people ask how far something is, I can tell them that it's in walking distance.
0: <laughs> anything <laughs> anything is in walking distance, really, in that case.
1: Unless there's an ocean in the way. <laughs>
0: it's in walking distance. You could hire a boat, walk around the deck as you're sailing across. There you go. <laughs> tell, me, tell me about that journey, the one in 2018.
1: It just, it was something that I'd always intended to
2: do. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. They had a famous race in the U.S. in 1929, the, uh, uh, the Bunyan Derby, and they ran from Los Angeles to New York City. And the actual winner was a Cherokee Indian named Andy Payne. Okay. And it just happened that lived, when my dad was a kid, he lived on the next farm over. He was my dad's neighbor,
0: right?
2: So
1: even before I'd ever run, I'd been I'd heard stories about running across the country, yeah, yeah, and it just always sounded like something cool to do. Yeah. And then, of course, when you run, it I can't imagine how anyone would run and not want to run across the country,
0: yeah, yeah, okay.
1: It would be especially appealing if I lived in somewhere like England that's narrow.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we've got a lot less ground to cover, don't we? I'm sure it's it's Uh-oh. it's only about two hundred and thirty miles across if you're gonna cross from coast to coast here.
1: Yeah, that would that would work out good. You could do it in one big
0: shot.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Surely people do that.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. We've got races that are kind of non-stop for four days is the time limit. So yeah, people people do do that, yeah.
1: Yeah, that would be a lot of fun.
0: (laughs) You should come over and try it.
1: Oh, I need more than four days now. I'm I'm afraid (laughs) that I'm terminally slow.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All the best ultra runners are, don't you think? So Uh, did you-
1: Yeah, eventually you get that way. pile up so many miles on your leg it takes a toll all the years of running yeah I think that I believe I'm in my 55th year of running
2: yeah okay
1: so
0: your body's been through a lot
1: <laughs> my body's been through a lot and I I think when I was younger I trained too hard and raced too hard and and probably could have i have done a better job conserving myself. Yeah. But I can't look back and think of anything I wouldn't do.
2: No. Okay.
1: I would, I would do it all again.
0: Do you feel like you've and, lived
1: we,
0: lived your running life to the maximum so far?
1: Well, I, I you know, going back to a sports analogy, you know, you, you get your equipment at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. And I think some people go through their life like their whole goal is to turn their equipment in in mint condition. Yeah. perfect <laughs> say, look, I, nothing's torn, nothing's worn, nothing's stained, nothing, nothing's damaged. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I say, man, didn't you waste your year on the team?
0: <laughs> you want to hand your equipment back in absolutely battered shape? I, I want there to
1: be. Nothing no use working it when I'm
0: done. <laughs> you can't have my equipment, it's done. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this will just have to be thrown away and
0: replaced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think I don't think you can be replaced. Definitely not. <laughs> Did I read something about there being an artery in your leg that wasn't working uh, on that hike? That's uh
1: running. I the, the circulation in my legs is failing and okay. And, uh, the walking really is it buys me years of use.
0: Right. Yeah. I don't
1: I don't think it's really a product of, of all that. It's just a product of time. And <laughs> yeah. And uh, probably would not but i you know, there's no way to know since you just have a sample size of one. True. But I'm I'm a lot better off dealing with the things. I think as you get older, having been in shape all your life, is has a positive effect.
2: Yeah, yeah. I was gonna
1: say I I I feel man, I'm so beat up, so beat up. But then I look at other people my age, and I think, but I'm still better off than them, and they're not beat up at all.
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, well, how did you transition into becoming a race director? From a runner, uh,
1: because I'm not very fast. I wasn't very good. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> you decided to uh, direct yourself in a different direction.
1: And when I started running ultras, there were hardly any. when I, you know, I was slow. Yeah. So I wasn't. I wasn't a good two miler or a miler, and I thought, well, I'll run road races. I'll do better, and they do your ten milers and. Stuff like that, and then the marathon, and you're still slow. Yeah. And you think, well, what are my what are my strengths? My strengths are that I train train hard. I'm in good shape, and I have a I can endure a lot of abuse. So I'll go to a longer distance <laughs> and do better. The problem is, everybody who moves up in distance has those same attributes.
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. They don't really
1: gain anything. <laughs> and uh, when I wanted to run an ultra, there wasn't one to run. Okay. And I just decided I would start one so that there would be a race I could get to. And it turned out that I had more I, I had more success directing races than I did running them.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's, it's the funny thing about life. You, you always you don't always get you what you want, but you get what you need. And It was very fortunate for me with all my love of sports that the only sport that I was suitable for was one that I could continue all my life. And it was really lucky for me that I wasn't that good of a runner so that I could get involved in something that I did better at. And and again, something I've been able to do my whole life.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: If I'd been the athlete that I wanted to be, I'd have never run. And if I'd been the runner I wanted to be, I'd have never directed a race and my career would have been over decades ago.
0: Yeah. You definitely wouldn't have had the experiences up until now, then.
1: What you think is bad luck today could turn out to have been good luck all along.
0: Yeah. That's a great way of looking at things. What was, tell me about the other races that you have apart from Barclay.
1: Oh, there's too many. <laughs> um, first, the so Vol State talking about running across uh, uh, England and having a race. Mm-hmm. We do one from one end of Tennessee to the other. Okay. It's uh, five hundred, roughly five hundred kilometers. It's actually three hundred and fourteen miles.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: And um, we call it one hundred pi miles. Okay. Because it's it's the only race that actually is an irrational distance. <laughs> it's a math joke.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good.
1: Then we can tell people at the finish that we can't tell you exactly where the finish line is.
2: <laughs> right.
1: Because it's a decimal. We can tell you when you're not quite there and we can tell you when you're past it. The <laughs> precise point where the finish line is is undetermined.
0: Nobody knows.
1: Nobody knows.
0: I love that. <laughs> uh,
2: what about the backyard ultra?
1: And then we have the backyard ultras. We've got uh, a 140-acre farm here. Okay. There's It's mostly wooded. Mm-hmm. I've got 30 acres of pasture. I made trails on it and wanted to have an ultra here. Mm-hmm. And it went back to an idea that I would had way back when I was in high school. Okay. Uh, of a race a race that would use my strengths which is the ability to take a lot of abuse and, and <laughs> be determined yeah well we kind of adjusted that format to fit with the trails and and worked it all out had the backyard ultra in 2011 we had the first one here okay and people liked the idea and the, the concept it really is a lot of fun
2: yeah yeah
1: and now as of as of this morning there was 160 backyard ultras in 49 countries <laughs> <That's> <laughs> there's, awesome. a back, there's a backyard ultra on the channel islands and in each of the different countries in the uk
2: Yeah, that's amazing
1: it, it, it's been an education because if you have a concept in your mind of what constitutes a country yeah and you find out that there's all kinds of strange arrangements, like the Channel Islands. Yeah. They're a protectorate. They're not a country, well, but they are a country. <laughs>
2: yeah. They kind
1: of have their own postal side. You finally decided a country is a place that has its own postal service. <laughs> yeah. How
0: do you <laughs> how do you feel knowing that the backyard ultra has appeared all around the world now?
1: I I really uh don't I know don't know for quite what to think. When I look at it, I think maybe it's actually a new running sport.
2: Yeah. Okay. Because it
1: has They have great difficulty, or especially when we started doing it, there was a lot of controversy over how do you record the results. Well, the there result that. of the back start is the the win. There's only one winner. Yeah. The race is over when there's only one person left, where however far that is, that's how far the race is. So therefore, everyone else DNF.
0: Right. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: And then people struggle with that. Ah, you can't run a race where you DNF. Yeah. Well, yeah, you could DNF and still do a really good job. I mean, the, the, the person that uh, they call the assist, the one that pushes the winner to the next to last lap. Yeah. He's the one that actually is the key to the race because he makes he he or she is the one that makes it go as far as it'll go.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And DNF is just it's just three letters. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. And now people, I think, pretty much embrace it.
2: Yeah, of course. but the okay. best
1: thing about the backyard that has been a totally unexpected, uh, just an an extra bonus is that. Women compete on an equal basis with men.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Which uh, is right. Women win all the time. We had 21 uh, world ch- or national championship races last uh, fall. And there were, of the 21, seven were won by women. Okay. All which right. is, which actually, women don't constitute a third of the field. Women disproportionately win back to our older.
2: Okay, that's interesting
1: from, from the very from the very beginning, they were right up there at the front till the very end, and I think that there was almost like a mental barrier and then when women started winning, now they win
2: yeah
1: and you you go out and, it, and it's fun. there's not a women's team when we have the world championships here, which two years ago was won by a woman outright mm-hmm. and, and uh. You know, you look around and you know the the really the really tough athletes that are going to be hard to deal with, and some of them are men and some of them are women, <laughs> and you're not thinking, "Oh, this is a woman runner." It's just it's a tough opponent that you've got to be concerned about.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good thing, though, right?
1: It's it's a wonderful thing. I've been a big girls basketball fan all my life because I really like basketball and because the women don't play a game built on physical athleticism up around the hoop it's a, their game is one of, of uh, skills and teamwork and and finesse and which is the kind of basketball I like so I've always preferred the girls basketball over the men okay. and you see when you're watching that but. Women are just as competitive, or can be just as competitive.
0: Absolutely. Definitely.
1: And it's it's wonderful to have a sport where the gender doesn't factor in. Because in the backyard, your strength and speed doesn't win for you. No. It's just the drive to win.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic.
1: Can you tell me... Yeah, that's, that's been fun.
0: Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine it's been amazing. Can you tell me about the impact of COVID and how that's impacted on your
2: races? (laughs) Sorry. The
1: only reason we have not not held at all was the first parkway. And that was right when everything was letting loose and and we were all locked down. So yeah, the the park wouldn't have allowed it, but no one could get there. Right, okay would allow it because no one could get there yeah and then the, the, the scrolling gym was in May
2: Mhm. yeah
1: was the next race and we had a you know it was those tentative first days of, of stepping out and trying to find ways to do things so we had instead of uh, 600 runners we had 30 something and we okay. started it at like 4 minute 5 minute intervals Yeah, Yeah. and then we just ran it by chip time. It was just so we could have a race.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And then as we've gone along, it's got a little better and a little better. And we, you know, you learn. We've learned more collectively on how to manage having events. The Barkley this year will be pretty close to a normal Barkley, except it's going to be virtually all U.S. runners. I think there's a couple of overseas runners who can secure enough time for two weeks quarantine before and two weeks quarantine after. Yeah, yeah. But what we've done here, now you have so many people who have either had it and recovered or they've been vaccinated.
2: Mm-hmm, yeah. And we, yeah.
1: we designate, those those are the CP groups. They have their COVID passport.
2: Right, yeah. And then yeah.
1: we'll have badges for everybody who's there so we don't just have people wandering in yeah. uh, to... Uh, they <laughs> you are know, to spread the weeds.
2: Absolutely, and then yeah. The,
1: they'll have they'll have green badges, and then the red badge people are the people who have had neither. And right. The focus of the protocols now is just to protect the red badge people.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: the The green badge people are fairly they're safe themselves.
2: Yeah. Yeah. If
1: if they're not, you know, we might as well throw everything out because.
2: Absolutely. If you,
1: never, if you never reach a point of being safe, what's the point of being vaccinated?
0: True. Very true. Yeah.
1: And so we really, as additional people have been getting vaccinated that we didn't expect, we only have, I think, 25 p less than 25 people in the whole event in yeah. any capacity that, that don't have uh, green bags, that don't have their CP. And those are all runners and a couple of staff members, including unfortunately me. Although I'm hoping to be vaccinated before then.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And uh, so we we rearranged the protocols where it's all fixed up to try and keep those people from being exposed.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
1: I think you'll see a greater and greater number of people that. Are in that situation because if we could have a race where everybody had their COVID passport, we could just have the races we used to have.
0: Yeah, yeah. Is that a hope for 2022?
1: That's a hope for 2022. I'm surprised that the number is as high as it is. Yeah. And what we're doing, of course, they they've all told us that they have to show up at the camp with their paper. Or or else, you know, the image on their phone or whatever they, so that they can document it. Yeah. They all started out with the idea that, oh, I'm going to collect that documentation for everybody. And I said, no, <laughs> no, I do not need added to my plate. <laughs> the task of trying to track. Yeah. 60 or 70 people's COVID passports when they can do that themselves.
0: Yeah, yeah. So speaking of Barkley Marathons how did you come up for the concept initially
1: um, Frozen Head was a place that I was a big backpacker in my youth
2: Okay. and
1: Carl the other guy that, that has helped with it over the years mm-hmm. and I had been backpacking out at Frozen Head several times and when we looked at the maps because we're, we're the top on that backpackers. You know, you find your way on a map. Yeah. Okay. And uh, before you had really a lot of trail trails. Yeah. That were maintained and, and places for that kind of stuff because there was, was a lot more empty country. Okay. Yeah. And we had hiked out there with groups going on backpacking trips and seeing these trails around the perimeter. Okay that you look at them and the, the contour line looked like shading. They were so close together.
2: <laughs> yep, right. And we said,
1: man, that would be fun. That would really be fun. <laughs> We've got to come out here sometime by ourselves, because most of the people you go with, backpackers are not attracted to that kind of terrain.
0: No, no. <laughs> Ridiculous runners are attracted and- to that terrain.
1: So we backpacked the first the first Barkley in 1985, and the whole time we're saying, "Man, this would be the ultimate race. Would this <laughs> not be something people would they would die to do it, and then they would die when they're there?" <laughs> and so the next when we get when we got back out, we had to get special permission just to go on that trail. The okay. ranger said. No one had made it around the trail in all the time that it had been parked. Okay. And, and they, so they were really dubious, and we had to convince them we knew what we were doing, and we would get ourselves out. And they said every time someone goes on that trail, we have to go extract them.
0: Nice.
1: And I said, no, we can get our we can get ourselves out. We know we convinced them to let us try it. And then the next day we showed back up. We made it, and we said not only, only do we make it, but we have friends who would really, really like to come do this. We'd, <laughs> we'd like to do a race on that trail.
0: Yeah.
1: And they let us. They let us do it.
0: Did I, they think I, that you were a little on the crazy side?
1: They they thought it was insane. They didn't <laughs> believe people would come to do that. And yeah. Certainly, if they did come once, they would never do it again.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But, of course, it's addictive as hell.
0: It exploded a little bit, didn't it?
1: it? We kept it secret up until 2000. Okay. And they had, you know, if, if the media got wind of it, wanted to do something, we'd say, yeah, we do, we like to keep on the quiet yeah. on this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then in 2000 2001, they had new management at the park
2: Okay. And they made right. an
1: all-out effort to throw the Barkley out.
2: Right. And we
1: we engaged in a in a huge political battle over a period of years to get to keep the race. A right. lot of the time, we just kept it one year at a time. But we we realized if we're going to exist, we have to exist.
0: Yeah. If yeah.
1: word gets out in the media, it you know it solidifies our our status of being here and it uh so when media people said I want to come and do something do a little story on your race and we tell them okay and then that after the documentary was done then it went crazy
2: yeah yeah
1: it, uh, it it didn't change the number of serious entries we got because that the people who are capable of doing that kind of thing already knew about it.
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: But it changed a lot of a lot of uh, you know we didn't previously have to deal with how do we prevent people coming to spectate because they're just in the way there's not a place for spectators.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: And. Then you come to realize with the coverage and you see all these people out there who really, they don't do this kind of thing. They don't have the skills and experience or even the desire necessarily, but they're fascinated by it.
2: And yeah. you come
1: to look at it, that we represent the wilderness. Yeah. The wilderness needs a constituency and if the constituency is just the handful of people that are competent to to do the wilderness then in the end it would be doomed. Yeah. But these people that, that sit at home, the the media that comes out there, whether you like media or not, they carry this story and people see it and they they see a value in this place. Yeah, you could log it out and and get and get timber and provide jobs for a little while. Yeah. Or you could strip mine it for the mineral and You'd have a certain amount of coal, and but then it would be destroyed and it would be gone.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, you know, we tell, thats what we tell the runners every year. Because, of course, the same type of people who like to do the wilderness stuff tend to shy away from the the publicity.
0: Right. Yeah. And you
1: say this. This is this is our obligation. We're among the few people that get to enjoy it. And we need to share that so other people can see it and see value in it. And that way, when when there's a move on because someone wants to log out all that big timber, that people will sit at home and say, well, no, that's where the Barkley is. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully that extends to the wilderness areas where they are. And when people talk about wilderness having value, they see value in that. Yeah. Even even if they do not want to be dropped in the freezing cold rain in the middle of the mountains with no trip.
0: <laughs> of course not. <laughs> not many people do, apart from those that take but on the Barkley. But
1: the people who do really like.
0: It. Yeah, they'd have to. They'd have to. Um, it is notoriously difficult to get in to the Barkley Marathons. Tell me more about yeah, that. We
1: we only have so much space. We, When we, when it started to, be, to really become popular, we had to figure out, to go out here, how many people can we put on these trails and not have an impact where it's no longer what it was?
2: Yeah, that makes so sense. So yeah.
1: we, we've kind of worked out a pretty good limit on the number of people. Mm-hmm. And then we have to look at our, at our venues in the camp, how many people can we put in camp, mm-hmm. and uh, and and it functions? So we can we can handle about forty people in camp, but we can't handle really forty top athletes on the course because they would do too many. It would be too many people doing too many laps.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. So we split the field up, and this is this is a nice thing about it, I think. That to to use our forty spaces that we can put in camp, we put a lot of just average guys out there in the field every year that we know are probably not going to be able to do one lap at most.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But you know, like if we if we had all just the elite athletes, we could only take maybe twenty five.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: So there's a there's about fifteen extra people, fifteen to. We split it half and half you have about 20 average people and 20 elite athletes and it works and it doesn't it doesn't wear out our, uh, our resource. Yeah.
2: Some and both. some of
1: those people that you don't think can really do it, they get way far. <laughs> <laughs> or or even sometimes they finish, you know, some of the people who have finished the loops, you would not have picked them if you only took the elite athletes
0: yeah yeah and it's a nice surprise i'm assuming
1: so it's it's really it adds i think it adds something special to the race that yeah some of these people can do it that you don't expect
0: yeah yeah
1: and that they do get the opportunity
0: yes of course
1: and that way you cycle through and 40 people a year get this experience that there's yeah, it's unfortunate there's not enough wilderness that everyone could do this.
0: Definitely, yeah. They
1: want, they want to.
0: It's it's but, really good that you keep it down, though. It's exactly it's exactly the kind of thing that should be done in wilderness like that.
1: Yeah, it's, if you're going to have wilderness, we we love it too much. Yeah, definitely. There's not, there's not enough of it.
0: Tell me about people who have tried and not managed to complete all 5 laps, do do their applications get looked upon favourably if they want to try again?
1: We try, there's a whole complicated process that's built up over the years. Yeah. A lot of it's kind of based on the wait list. The first time that you get in you probably will just get put on the wait list.
2: Okay, yeah.
1: And there's a good, we have 50 people on the wait list. You probably are not going to get in, but you'll move up a few spots. Because when people have a, when they have a spot, and especially the better athletes, if something has, if they have an injury or something and they can't, they can't perform well, they don't want to waste their opportunity on it. When they're not going to perform well. And if yeah. we get enough advance notice to, to give someone a fair chance to replace them, you know, not not like someone 48 hours before the race dropped out. Okay. We roll their spot over and hold it till next year.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: And so people get on the wait list and they move up, and next year, the next year when we do it again, whoever was on the wait list, if they reapply, they don't get any further back on the wait list than they were before.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: of course. So you'll gradually, once you get to the wait list, you'll gradually move up and get in.
2: hmm yeah.
1: Now, some of the, if, if you're among the elite of the elite, there's a much better chance that you'll apply and get in. We can't get them all in, but if, when you're, you're filling your 20 spots for elite athletes, there's not near as many people to pick from.
2: Yes. That's yeah.
1: why it's called the week.
2: Of course. And of course.
1: The other 20 spots, there are thousands of people. Yeah. That, that, you, have to, that <clears throat> you, you have to try to do the best you can to get people on that list that are that are going to get something of value of it. You, know, you don't want people that are just coming so they can tell their friends they were there.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: They're, they're gonna, they're gonna come fill a spot and, and go a mile and say, "Well, I would, you know, I have the shirt."
0: Yeah. What percentage of men versus women are there that take part, generally speaking?
1: The number of women who apply is really small. Yeah. It's, it's not something that seems to achieve. Just generally across women in general, have a near as big of an appeal, even among runners.
2: Okay. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, The chances of a woman getting in, any woman who is really good has any chance at all is going to get in.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because we have this problem that women have never finished. And I'm stuck with saying, if someone asks, that it's too difficult for women because. That's what all the evidence points to. Yes.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: But I would, I would like to have that stopped. Yeah. So every woman that that is remotely that that really looks like they have the kind of credentials that says they could give it a run, we we make sure they get in the field. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's still a pretty small number.
0: Of course. Yeah. How much work goes on behind the scenes
2: for setting up this event? Um,
1: uh, this year has been, it's been a butler because of the COVID.
2: Yeah, of course. No
1: COVID provides more work for race directors than all the other parts <laughs> of the combined.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's not making your life and easier, is it? It's,
1: it's gotten to be a little more expensive than it was. You yeah. Know, you, you have to have your insurance and stuff. You've got to put the books out.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that's been, that's been a, the best measuring stick of the effects of time that you can get. Me and Rodoc used to go out on a weekend and we'd put the high books out one day and the low books out the next.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: And we'd put out all the books in a weekend. And right. And then there came a day where we said, you know, we can't get them all in this weekend we'll have to make a second trip.
0: Right. Yep.
1: And it, the situation has not at any point improved. There's never was never a year when we did more books than we did in one day than we did the year before.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Hey, got down to where you were doing one or two books in a day and making multiple trips up there. To get right.
2: it done. Yeah.
1: And then this year, I've kind of I've kind of phased out of it. Travel's difficult. Some of those remote books it's it's a question whether I could get in and out and put in one of some of those individual books in a day. Yeah,
0: yeah, of course. And it just
1: it came time to pass it on to younger people.
0: Yeah. Is there a significance?
1: We hate it, but that's the reality. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Is there one? a significance to the books? Is there a process for choosing them, or are they random books?
1: People send us books that have good titles.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: And then we have a collection of those books here, and you look at the course for that year and the time that the race is going to start, because we already we knew that a year in advance.
2: Okay, yeah.
1: And you, you think about how it all falls in order so that the book is not only has these funny titles but the titles kind of fit with the situation.
2: Oh, nice. Right. Okay. Where
1: the, where the, the runners will read the title and it's like you're reading my mind.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Because you know about how people will feel according to the time of day and what they've just been through and what's coming up and how long they've been out there and all those things combined. Yeah. So it, at a at a place in the course where they're going to be, you know, just desperately waiting for the sun to come up, it'll it'll have a book title with something about anticipating the sunrise.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: And, and some of the runners, it just flies over their head, <laughs> and other ones they really just think they're messing with me. <laughs> Part of your sense of humor. Body. And then you have a theme for the year.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: This year's theme is be afraid. Be very afraid.
2: Okay. Any and everything
1: reason? kind of plays around that theme. Last year it was nothing out here but love and puppies, <laughs> Because we decided that our, that our you know, maybe the problem with the Barkley was the negative theme. Or not last year, but the year before the last one we ran. Yeah, yeah. And no, we got we got no better results off of nothing out here but love and poppies. No one got past the fun ride, which was by part of a it so
0: excellent. Well that's not good. So you've gone back to your traditional sense of humor.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I, we've had some we've had some really great ones. You know, those I I like the, the year it was Barkley, where dreams go to die.
0: yeah definitely
1: another favourite was nothing buckles here but your knee
0: yeah that's that's quite accurate I would say yeah (laughs) I love that the documentary was called the race that eats its young
1: I felt that that was was
0: that was pretty good
1: the the race that eats its young
0: (laughs) Is there a significance with the yellow gate, where it starts, or is that just a point that you picked?
1: It's an old, broken-down forest gate. Okay. And a forest service gate. There are. There must be millions of them all over the country. Yeah. I don't know if you have. You probably have similar forest gates everywhere that, you have, that there's forests.
0: But not as well, common, I, but
1: yeah. The in and the Alps, and they were very different. Okay. But that—that's the common design for the Forest Service gate. Mm-hmm. the uh, the iron the iron uh, tubes? Yeah. The tubes seems like there were pipes, iron pipes welded together and uh, and painted yellow.
0: Yeah. Tell
1: me about. So it happened to be that happened to be the gate.
0: <laughs> That's good. Tell me about the license plate for registration.
1: Um, we asked for different things at different times, and one year we had people bring a license plate from their home state or country. Yeah. And then we then we got the idea we would attach them all together and hang them up as a display in the front of the camp. Everybody's license plate. Mm. Hmm. And it was a really cute idea when you had 40 of them. And then we said, well, we don't need people to bring one that's been here before, but two people, the first time they come, they could bring their license plate and we could hang them up. Yeah. And this one made quite an impressive display over the years. And it, and it did, but now there are hundreds and hundreds of
0: them. Does that make life things. more difficult?
1: Yeah, I, it, it was was a better idea when I didn't realize I would live this long.
0: <laughs> well, you can not No, because it's part of the tradition, right?
1: And we're not going to hang the plates this year. No, because we were the campground will be closed off to the public. Um, if we hang the plates and they're visible, they're an attractant. They will bring people in. So, as part of our COVID response.
2: Yeah, we're not
1: hanging up anything that makes it obvious the race is going on. Yeah, too many, too many people know exactly what those license plates mean.
0: Yeah, yeah. Will they be back once COVID is cleared? Next
1: next year the the plates will be back. We'd already we'd already realized we were gonna have to go up a, a day early to hang <laughs> oh, the God. license plates.
0: What is more because difficult?
1: Because we, we can't get the other stuff done because it takes a whole day to <laughs> hang the damn thing.
0: What's more difficult as a race director, hanging the plates or directing the entire Barclay Marathons? Uh,
1: staying awake. <laughs> <laughs> staying
0: <laughs> awake. Yeah, it's, fair it's enough. It's a
1: 60 hour race. Yes. generally you're not going to have to stay up for the whole 60 hours. No. But all the time, there are people, and you've got always got situations going on. Yeah, I of mean, course. I mean, you're sending people out in the wilderness. We strip them of all their electronics. Yeah. It's it's this ultimate freedom when they step up to the gate. It's all gone—the phones, the GPS, all their connections. Yeah. And when they when they walk around the corner out into the woods, they're on their own. Yeah we don't even put trackers on them to know where they are
2: because even
1: that's an assurance that oh well if I get in trouble I can just sit here and they'll come find me with the tracker no you you get yourself in you've got to get yourself out
0: yeah is that why there is a technology ban
1: that's what the technology ban is for yeah we didn't used to have it when the race started there was no technology ban because there was no technology
0: (laughs) no no, there wouldn't be.
1: <laughs> but now people are connected all the time. Yeah. And and there's a, a tangible feeling of freedom about that. Okay. That was my journey runs on the road. One of the things I liked about the journey runs from the very beginning was that you, you just, you get set out with your stuff in a backpack and you take off. And you're on your own.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You are
1: totally free. The only thing you have to think about is staying alive and getting where you're going.
2: Yeah, yeah. And you enjoy that.
1: I I enjoy that. I I think most people do, or they would. It's, there's you're so connected all the time now that it's really a sensation. People feel it when their phone is gone. All those connections.
2: Yeah.
0: What is the atmosphere but, like the day before the race starts?
1: Uh, jovial? Okay. If That's you know, an interesting I'm, word. With the thousand mile stare.
2: Nice. Right. Uh,
1: you you can look around camp and figure the guys that have really that are really gonna make a serious go at it because they have one purpose. And they're there, but they're not there. Yeah. Because from the, from whenever that cock sounds until they get however far they're going to go, whether it's all the way to the finish or not, there is just one purpose.
0: Yeah. And
1: you, you have to put your mind in a special place to put your body through that kind of, do that kind of abuse. And keep going out from camp. You yeah. watch people on lap four and lap five, and they're, they're leaving camp in a state where the, you would consider pulling them from a normal race.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah.
1: But, you know, you, you, you have to be willing to go beyond the end. Yeah.
0: Because this is not a normal race.
1: It's not a normal race. There is there is something really satisfying about taking yourself beyond what you think you can do. Yeah. Now, I got that in my Transcon. It was it was a that was that was probably my most satisfying athletic performance of my life because the last the last six or seven hundred miles, I no longer knew why my legs were going. Yeah. I, there was no input from my body that said I could take another step, but another step kept coming. Yeah. And I was, I had tore, I tore the labrum in and my hip was about 500 miles to go. And that was, a, that's the kind of injury where you should stop. Absolutely. And I, and I just looked at, I was almost 3,000 miles in. And only 500 miles to go, there was no way I was going to stop. But, but 500 miles is still really far, especially if you have a serious injury.
0: Absolutely. It, it's really far if you don't have a serious injury. <laughs> what was but the.? You
1: find that, that you, it's the things I've learned from association with these really great athletes, which I'm not. You watch the mental aspect of it. Everything that happens at the Barclays, the successful runners, no matter what happens, they're only thinking about how to get through. Yeah. They're not not ever thinking about how it could stop them. Because if it's going to stop you, it stops you. I mean, I could not have been hurt much worse than that and gone on because I simply wouldn't have been able to go. Yeah. So your body can do, if your mind demands it, your body can do so much more than you think is, is even possible. Yeah. And, and finding that place is special.
0: How did you find that place when you knew that you were that badly injured?
1: Uh, because I think it I think it is like, stuck to me just from the association with all these great athletes. Okay. See seeing how that they mentally approach things and and feeling like that I'm part of that community, that to belong to that community now today's my day. Today's my day that I have to I have to display what I've seen. And if I don't do it, I'm letting down my friends, I know I no longer am worthy. Wow. And <laughs> you, you go to the Barclays. And you see what these guys can do. Yeah. And you have that mental conflict: Am I even worthy to be here with them? I
2: mean, yeah. they're
1: treating me as a peer, but do I really belong? And, and you want to have that moment in your in your career where that, yeah, you're called on to give more, and you reach down and it's there. Yeah. We call it finding st- finding something in yourself that you didn't know was there. Is that <laughs> <laughs> It's a descriptive term. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think everyone that's been there, they, they know, they'll they immediately relate to that.
2: Absolutely. And you get
1: to the end of that event, and you have that event in your life, and you get to the end and you say, I didn't know I could do that.
2: Yeah.
0: That said, what processes and changes do you see from your athletes in the Barclays as the race progresses?
1: Uh, over the years, you have a a uh, like a corporate knowledge. Okay. The, the early Barclays, no one finished. And it wasn't because they were lesser athletes, it's because they didn't know how.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. And
1: so you, you build a pool of knowledge... Build a pool of When someone else has done it, then you know it can be done. Yeah. And there was, a, you know, a lot of what stopped us from having a 100-mile finisher for 10 years was people went home and didn't think it was possible. Yeah. And then when, I, you know, a UK guy was the one, Mark Williams came over and, and he finished. And David Horton was there, was one of the first people to greet him, and the first thing he said to him was, congratulations, and thanks a lot, because now you've ruined it for everybody. <laughs> he said, every year I come and I fail, and I, and I go home, and I say, well, I failed, but it's impossible.
0: It can't be done.
1: Now I know it can be done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm the British, eh? Yeah, <laughs>
1: I'm the dream. Now you have nothing to fall back on <laughs> it could be done, but I didn't do it.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: How do you feel when you have a runner pull out?
1: out? Um, it, it all depends.
0: Okay, on?
1: When someone comes into camp and they quit in camp and don't go out on the next loop and their reasoning is, well... And I know I can't finish the next loop, and I'm not totally miserable yet, but I would be. Yeah. To feel like they cheated themselves.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: I say that.
1: Because as as bad as it is when you end up taking eleven hours to crawl out of the woods wounded, <laughs> you yeah. know you gave You're all. Yeah. And if you stop in camp with something left in the tank, you'll never know.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Can you and tell then, me about the horn that's it, played?
1: The, the the hard ones are the people who come for years. There's a guy who a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and we had talked about it when he was signed up and coming in. He'd been there a number of times and never really had that one never really reached what he could do. He almost almost spun run. Almost spun run. Okay. And he said, you know, I'm in in my, I'm getting on in my 40s now and I can feel, I can feel the changes happening and I know that I don't have what I used to have. And I feel like this is my last chance. This is my last real chance to make the fun run. And, you know, it's been a career objective.
2: Okay. Mm -hmm. And
1: he's been there a number of times over like 15 years from when he was a young athlete in his prime to... Till he's nearing the end.
2: Okay. Yeah.
1: And so when the weather weather was so horrendous and it just, it terminated any real chance he had to make it. Yeah. And it was sad because you watch people that they've tried and tried and tried. Yeah. And you know that they're never quite going to make it. And you're sad. Of course, but unfortunately, the great joy of the great victory can't happen without a lot of sorrow from a lot of defeat. yeah, so it just it's it's necessary
0: circumstantial. For those that don't it's know how many laps is a fun run,
1: Three
0: three laps for the fun run, and it's five laps for the finish
1: five laps for the higher mile. and the fun run is actually a bit of cruelty <laughs> because it's already so hard to leave camp. yeah and that when you count it when you can count it as a fun run and everything in you is telling you not to go on your brain seizes on that and says, but look you've accomplished something yeah you can come back and do those last two laps another day
2: okay yeah
1: your mind tries lots of tricks to get you to quit okay. it's trying to save you from yourself and of course the, the the real trick is that you can't come back and do the last two laps another day you got to come back and do the first three again
0: yeah yeah
1: you're you're not gonna feel better
0: you are when you start but when you get to the three you're you'll feel the feel same
1: well, it's the decision point when you can you can choose to go on or or not. Yeah. And then in the Barkley Fall Classic on on it's a race where we can where we can't handle lots of people. Yeah. And we build in a lot of those same features, and one of them is the decision point. They have a marathon and a 50k. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm. And when you come
1: to the decision point, you've always been beaten half to death. Of course. And the way to the marathon finish is easy and downhill, and the way to the 50k is immediately more torture, probably worse than what you've already done. Right. And they have to sit there and say, "I can get a finish, and all the suffering is done," or I can choose to go suffer. And what's worse is if you go on and try for the 50k and don't make it, you're just a DNF. You don't get the marathon.
0: No. Yeah,
1: because they turn in different directions. You have to choose to put everything on the line and risk getting nothing. Oh.
0: <laughs> Do you enjoy torturing runners?
1: <laughs> if they only suffered, it wouldn't it wouldn't be much fun.
2: <laughs> However,
1: uh, when they when they succeed, lots of this. We always say at the fall classic our favorites are the redemption runners.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. They
1: come and they've heard this stuff at all these races and then they get there and it really is that bad. <laughs> and they fail. Yeah. They it's the, the time and the cutoffs are set up where the, to finish the to finish the fifty K in the BFC. You've got to run where that in most most races you walk. I mean, okay. this is the thing in alters they say you walk everything that's not that's not perfectly downhill runnable.
2: <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. But to
1: finish the fall classic, you've gotta you gotta run uphill. You've gotta run everything where you can run, even if it's not easy.
2: Yeah.
1: And cool. so they come and they apply themselves that way and they fail. And yeah. then some just said, Well, this race sucks and I'm never not gonna do that again. <laughs> but the other ones they say no look at all the people that finished i know what i did wrong i right. you know what I, i've got to come in better shape physically i've got to come with a different mindset and i've got to run stuff where i don't want to run
2: mm-hmm.
1: but i can do it and they come back and they they come back as a, a better athlete and they finish it and the satisfaction that they get out of that is certainly well worth the ones that are disappointed
0: Definitely, yeah. What are the cutoffs for the the marathon and the fifty k? Uh,
1: the, the finishing cutoff is thirteen hours and twenty minutes. and then the cutoff at the decision point is it varies according to exactly where it is, because just like the barkley we change the course a little every year.
0: Okay, that's nice.
1: Yeah. So you you can't you can't just make your plan based on what you did last year. You find out the actual course the night before, and then you've got to sit and look at where the hills are and how it lays out. Yeah. And making your race plan at the last minute. Mhm. Okay. <laughs>
0: There's a lot of strategy. Un- <laughs>
1: uncertainty is one of the hardest things for an athlete to deal with. Absolutely. So Building uncertainty to those races because that's That's just one of the challenges. You have to deal with the uncertainty.
0: Is that why you change the course every year and the the start time?
1: Yes. Yeah. The big Barkley is all about uncertainty. You don't even know until an hour before the start when the race will start. Yeah. And if you think about it, you're running a mountain loop that can take anywhere from eight to 20 hours, depending on the time of day and how many laps you're in. Yeah. So you have different gear that you would want to pack according to when the race starts.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So people come and you can't really put your final pack together until you hear that cock. Yeah. And then there's a scramble to make sure you get the right stuff to do this course, which you only found out yesterday.
2: (laughs) Nice. Yeah. At,
1: At this time, at a time that you only found out just a minute ago.
2: Yeah.
0: So why, why do the runners run in, opposite it uh, On
1: the last lap?
0: Yeah, I know it changes direction every two laps. Um, it varies. Okay.
1: Sometimes we, the kind of the standard is you do two laps Clockwise, two counterclockwise. The last lap, the first runner who starts it just to pick his direction. Yeah. And every subsequent runner has to alternate direction. Yeah. So they can't. They even if you get together in a team to get yourself through four laps, the fifth lap you're on your own.
0: Okay. And is that why?
1: And that's why.
2: Okay. Hmm. Do you, it, you think it's it turns harder? It out
1: some interesting things. Uh, harder to run it on your own? Yeah. Yeah, it's harder to run it on your
0: own. <laughs> Do you think it adds a difficulty element having to run it clockwise and then counterclockwise?
1: Um, there's always a debate about which one is worse. Okay. <laughs> They're both worse.
2: <laughs> They're both yeah.
0: not, not very nice. <laughs>
2: which would you Uh, prefer to do clockwise or counter
1: i don't know probably clockwise i think the route finding is a little easier clockwise
2: okay Mm on the
1: on the other hand the route finding is not a big issue for me because I've been all over those woods for <laughs> the past 40 years.
0: Yeah, you know them like the back of your hand.
1: Well, it's more like 50 years now. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been tracing all over those woods for 50 years. I, I don't have any issues with route finding.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Are you the one that designs the route every time?
1: Up until now, we've not sent the runners anywhere I haven't been.
2: Okay. I realize
1: that as, as we go forward, some of those trails, some of those places we might add might be places that I could no longer do.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Paniac will be the new Barkley guy.
2: Right. Okay.
1: And he's, he's, he's taking over more and more pieces of it every year. And yeah. And he's really... Him and
2: the other guys are putting out
1: the books this year. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Tell me I about- I guess I'll do the
2: prison book.
0: Yeah. Is that your favorite section?
1: Well, the prison you can drive most of the way
0: up. Right. Okay.
1: And then it's, and then it's a short walk on a gravel road.
0: Which is <laughs> delightful compared to the rest of the course, I can quite imagine.
1: Yeah, the runners don't get to do that gravel road. <laughs>
0: Of course they don't. <laughs> Why would they? That would make it far too easy now, wouldn't it?
1: We Why? Has the books set up were also about, we're exploration. Right. You looked at terrain, you might want to put in future Barclays. And so you could explore it while you were setting the books out.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: We. I don't think we ever went where we went and put the books out and actually went around the course Mm-hmm. We took all kinds of different routes across the park <laughs> and just hit the spots where the books were.
2: Yeah,
0: of course. Yeah.
1: And a couple of them, the only way to get to them is the same way the runners go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but at least you know that now.
1: Uh, but yeah, you know it'll it'll feel weird when the runners do something I haven't done.
2: Yeah. I can imagine. But at
1: that point, Carl will have done it.
2: Yeah,
0: of course. So then at least somebody Carl, will be in the know. Carl
1: couldn't have done them all because it started before he was born. So. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Tell me about the tradition of you starting the race by lighting a cigarette. How did that come about?
1: Isn't that the way all the great races start? <laughs> I thought that was like a running tradition. <laughs> and I was watching the Olympics. You know the other, and I noticed that none of the races were starting. That puff of smoke was not the guy lighting a cigarette. It actually came out the end of a fake pistol. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, it was just a mistake.
0: <laughs> Fair enough, and it stuck, huh? It,
1: it stuck. Now we just ah, we don't feel compelled to do things the way that. We're ex- what's expected of
0: us? Of course not. It wouldn't be the Barkley seems, if you did.
1: It seems kind of fitting.
0: Yeah, I know the route changes every year, but there are certain certain parts of it that are described in interviews and articles around some of them.
1: But those are just the, you know the, they develop names as they go along. Yeah, they're not. They're not no particular hill or. Or, or feature is necessarily in every barcode.
2: No,
0: of course.
1: Two, two of the three you named won't be in it this year.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Any reason?
1: And uh, just moving the route, moving it around so that it's always fresh and new.
0: Yeah. What is your you favorite? Until
1: to get caught in a, a dredge routine. Although by the fifth. They can tell you individual
2: truth. Yeah. Yeah. What's your favourite part about it?
1: Uh, eating chicken. I like eating chicken.
0: <laughs> I'm assuming that's that's just for the race director. The, the runners don't get chicken on the course. No, no.
1: They, <laughs> well, we... No, we won't do it this year because we all of our gatherings, whether we get together to do stuff, are omitted this year.
0: Yeah, of course. You
1: know, we we always had a big potluck dinner
2: nice. before the race. Okay.
1: And people, we we brought chicken, and then people brought other stuff to eat.
2: This is good.
1: And everyone sits around and eats and talks and speculates on when the cock is going to sound. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Do you do you create relationships with participants, or is it very much a case of them keeping themselves to themselves? Uh, that sounded more like it.
1: I've got some work to do <laughs> down here, so I. It's about time for me to start loosening up my lips, so I can make a sound with the cock. <laughs>
0: At least you know that now, so you've got a little bit of time to get it moving.
1: <laughs> uh, that was a pretty weak effort. I thought I'd give a big blast on it.
0: <laughs> it didn't quite
1: go. It didn't quite come out that way. I think my lips must not be wet enough. Let's see. Oh, I'm bad. <laughs>
2: This didn't work now. That's a little frustrating. Don't
1: tell me I've lost it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a little two or two in there. It will, it will get right.
0: It's sounding slightly better already. <laughs> <laughs> Even the run, the runners uh, will know what it is, despite it not sounding as great at the moment.
1: Oh yeah, they. I'll, I'll test it out once or twice the day before the race, but it's before that window of time. But it'll still cause them to be alarmed.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: <laughs>
0: Do you get to know They're your
1: runners? Predisposed to feeling stressed out.
0: <laughs> At least you know that you're stressed out now and not on the race, so that's slightly better. Oh. Uh... Do you get to know your runners before they start? Have any of them stood out to you in the past?
1: Oh, they yeah. There's there's so many of them. Okay. We, uh, and you, you get to know them all. You get to know them beforehand. We mm-hmm. do the essay before they enter. That's the entry process that they send in an essay when, when the entry opens yeah to, to tell why that they should be in the race mm-hmm. and yeah the, the essays are actually important you look at them and get a feel for the person
2: okay you want to
1: you you're not necessarily looking to pick just the purely elite athlete yeah but you want people that are going to get something out of it
2: yeah okay
0: and that's the most important yeah. part is it for you
1: that's the most important part. You look at the essay and get a feel for who they are. Yeah. Not everybody is, is you know, a, a great writer, but they can express who they are in their uh, in what they write. Yeah. They're not, they're not turning it out and to be judged for its literary content. That's.
0: Do you keep in touch with any of your participants?
1: Ah. Uh, well you you it's kind of a community of people, the barkers, yeah, okay, and they have an email list which which they're on in different different ways, with the electronic communication today it's a lot easier yeah so yeah there's there's a lot of them that you talked to over the years, some of them that are long since retired from doing it, yeah, and you still hear periodically from them
0: that's nice. Does that feel make you feel lucky that you're part of this community or that you essentially created it?
1: Uh, I Mostly I feel just barely worthy of being part of that community.
2: Really? Uh,
1: there, uh, there's a lot of them that are, that are way tougher than I ever will be.
0: Yeah. What do you feel the key factors are for actually finishing? five laps
1: Uh, you need to be comfortable in the woods yeah you 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 know if if you go in the woods and all you see are rocks and trees (laughs) then you already have a strike against you if you go out there and you can't see the game trail you have a strike against yeah. Uh, if you're going out there and you're just using the compass and the map and you're thrashing your way from place to place through the underbrush, it becomes a lot different task than if you can look at the lay of the land and know where you're going and you can see the game trails and follow the trails that exist. Yeah. Or there may be made man-made trails, but maybe they haven't been maintained in nearly 100 years. <laughs>
2: Right. Okay.
1: A lot of them were built during the Depression. Yeah. By the CCC.
0: hmm
1: And some of them have been maintained since, and some of them haven't. But you can still see them if you know what you're looking at. Yeah.
0: Of course.
1: Yeah. You you need to have that kind of focus. You need to be able to plan things well and be independent. I think it's it's a secret. It's an open secret. But people forget it at the critical moment when you're not sure. Sometimes what you need to do is to stop and take stock, figure out where you are, figure out what what you're you know, what what you need to do. Yeah. Rather than just get frantic and push ahead harder. If you're off course, going faster is not the solution. Yeah. And you have to ma- you have to maintain focus. Probably the hardest part of it. Is you have to be focused for all 60 hours.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: You, that thing you do in running where you just kind of fall into a groove and, and halfway close your eyes and just plug and plug and plug and go for hours. If you do that out there, you may be in a different county.
2: Right.
0: <laughs> Which is not not particularly uh, helpful. <laughs>
1: No, you have to always know where you are because there's not a course marking coming up. No. No. And you may not be able to tell whether anybody's been there before or not. Yeah. Some of these guys have mad woodsman skills. We had a year where the fog was so thick you couldn't see your feet.
2: Darn me. Okay.
1: And this was like three laps in. Mm Mm-hmm. And a guy goes out and, and does the loop pouring rain, the fog where you can't see your feet. Yeah. And, we, and he comes in and he said, how? How did you find the trail? He said, I, I felt it with my feet. I saw whether I was walking on packed leaves or loose
0: leaves. Wow. <laughs> he really knows what he's doing then.
1: Oh, God. Some of, these, some of those guys, they just astound me. It it keeps me from feeling like I really know my way around it, but I'm like an amateur. These guys have just an insane level of talent.
0: Did he finish?
1: But really to finish it you only need you only need competency with a map. Yeah. When you when you look at a map and you look around you, it one has to translate to the other. Yeah. You have to look at the map and think, there should be a rise over here if I'm where I think I am. And you look up and there's that rise.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Did the guy you mentioned yeah. finished it?
1: Ah, uh, you know, I think he finished the whole thing. Wow. You're, you're almost guaranteed because of the nature of Frozen Head, if you get a complete finish, you probably went through some really, really bad weather somewhere
2: yeah
0: yeah I know i've I was talking to John Kelly, and he said that if you finish it, there will be a point that you will want to quit at some point. It doesn't matter who
2: you are. <laughs> um, in the years I ran
1: little hills hills. okay no hills, no hills on the face of the earth
2: <laughs> okay
1: And i would be I would be doing good. And then, halfway up little Hill, your will to finish just starts to evaporate,
2: <laughs> okay
1: These. I, I don't th- I don't think I ever really had a fair chance to do my best because I directed it every year, yeah, and I didn't fully appreciate then the kind of focus you have to have. I did with the distraction of t- making sure everything's taken care of and putting on the race, yeah. You just can't afford that. You need to be thinking about nothing except your run. Yeah. And then somehow find the will to get through your little hell and still and still want to go.
2: Yeah. But you manage man mentally
1: I might be ready for it now, but physically there's no chance. <laughs> when I was young, physically I was good but I don't think mentally I was I
0: was there. No. And you think mentally you've really got to be focused in order to finish it?
1: You've got to be willing to endure more than you can endure.
0: Okay. Yeah. That makes sense.
1: Going up some of those hills, they really hurt.
0: I've seen some photos of, well, a route or two. And then, yeah, it looks brutal. I know it's supposed to be. Uh, <laughs>
1: uh, as the runners say, uh, the, the first time they always say, you have to be there to comprehend. And then, You know, I thought it would be bad, but I never imagined how bad it could be. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Do you take pride in the fact that there's only been 15 finishes? Tall? Uh,
1: in in a, a kind of an obtuse way. I take pride to be able to, do, to lay out a 1% course.
2: Yeah. Did it, you say uh, to
1: make a course that everyone can finish is easy, to make a course that no one can finish is easy. But trying to hit where just 1% of the people make it. That's a really fine line. Yeah. Now, in the, in the fall classic, we shoot for around 30. Mm-hmm. But we we can end up with 50 or we could end up with 20.
2: Because yeah. you
1: don't always get it just right. Mm-hmm. But you, you want it to be where about 30% finish, where about one in three can make it. And that that gives the runners a real point of pride.
2: Yeah
0: make arguably the hardest marathon, the hardest open marathon in the
2: world? Uh,
1: I don't know that I totally thought about that, but of course it's been talked about so much that it it really uh, it really resonates now. You have, to, you have to put some thought into it. And now I'm less inclined to, to have that as a specific goal because Hard, hard is such a a poor unit of measurement.
2: Yeah. How
1: yeah. many? How many hard was that? Two point five hard's or three hard's? <laughs> and you run the risk of running into where that it becomes physically dangerous. Yeah. You know, our our object is not to get anyone seriously hurt or, God forbid, killed out there. <laughs> but at the same time you're in the you're in the woods and there's cliffs and uh, creeks and really really bad dangerously bad weather yeah so it's always it's always a balance to, to say this is relatively safe because you need the field down you need to have people that can get out there where that it's what we talked about thirty two degrees and pouring rain
2: yeah and howling winds
1: and that they're going to have hours and hours and hours to get back in camp and they have the combination of experience equipment and and uh, preparation that they're going to make it back they're going to be really miserable but they're going to make it back
2: yeah yeah
0: you've said in the past that people require a sense of humor and illustrators could you go into more detail uh,
1: uh, that's just because we make jokes about it. So if you can't laugh at yourself, then
0: you're going to be pissed off at us all the time. <laughs> right.
2: Are there, are there many people? To, you
1: have to laugh because crying will not help. Does <laughs> laughing help? Uh, well, it's better than
2: crying. <laughs> <laughs> is is you're
1: that? to have some range of emotions out there.
0: Is that partly the reason that you send um, commiseration letters to people to announce their raised places? <laughs> I love that, by the way. That's hilarious. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, the like ones.
0: <laughs> and then they do it, and then realize you so weren't if, kidding.
1: And get nothing for
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> do you enjoy that? Knowing that that's what runners go through?
1: Uh, yeah, in some kind of a strange way I do.
0: We won't judge you. It's okay. <laughs> I don't
1: know. You should judge me for that. It's probably <laughs> some sort of a personality fly. Maybe an outright psychological disorder. But it is funny to think about them hitting those hills and think about what's going through their mind
2: yeah the meat
1: grinder when when the first people hit the meat grinder going up and we call it a meat grinder because you put a runner in one end and sausage comes out the
0: other do you enjoy watching the deterioration of the runners as they do lap by lap
1: you know, that becomes more clinical because you're always analyzing their chances to finish.
2: Okay. And so you're
1: looking at, you're looking at, of course, mentally where they are.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Because a lot of times you can you can see it in their eyes. This guy, this guy's not coming back. Yeah. Not on the right trail. He's coming back on one of the quitters' roads. And then you also look at it because they're all sustaining various amounts of damage. So you have the limps and the gimps and the hobbles and the and the stiffnesses, and you're you're trying to think: Will this loosen up on the course? Is this something that's just going to spiral downward until it until it becomes crippling? Yeah. You have uh, have like uh, Brian. Oh God, I know his name so well. Flying Brian Robinson.
2: Okay. hmm
1: Who dislocated his collarbone.
2: Ooh.
1: He he went off course and got onto a to a, a part that's too steep and fell.
2: Right.
1: And caught himself on a tree going down the mountain and the jerk of hitting the end of his arm on the tree and breaking his fall. Pulled his collarbone out at the bre- at the uh, breastbone. Ooh.
2: Okay. Pulled the
1: clavicle off the sternum.
2: All right.
1: And so they had a big knot, and one arm was kind of curled up under him, and you really need both arms to do the course.
2: Yeah. But cool. he only had
1: so far. He only had you know most of a lap to go. So you're you're looking at the injuries and analyzing and saying, can he carry this? Can he? Then you get through that. Yeah. Of course, the sleep. There's different sleep strategies. There's and the most popular sleep sleep strategy always varies according to what last worked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's the people who virtually sleep at none at all. all right. Just go straight through.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, maybe they take five minute, ten minute naps on the trail. Yeah. Yeah, people will tell you that it's a, it's a good thing it was 32 degrees and rain because that way I knew I wouldn't oversleep. <laughs> yeah. the ground with water, I'm going to be so miserable, I wake up pretty quick. And
2: when then we have
1: the that they, they try to go faster to build a cushion where they can get an hour of sleep somewhere in there.
0: Right. Okay. And.
1: Of course, to buy that hour to sleep means that you've got to take these debilitating hills and do them harder.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: And so you, you're, you know, you're draining your physical resources because there it's it's not a linear relationship between your energy expenditure and and the altitude and and distance you're covering. Yeah. When the slopes become so steep, it It's more of an exponential increase. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah.
1: So you're you're doing a lot of math. The time, the time, you got to do math the whole time. (laughs) You know what you're doing on the time limit. It comes out to 12 hours a week. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to finish, they usually pretty much think you need to be between eight and nine hours on the first loop. So you build up between three and four hours cushion people think, oh, they got three or four hours cushion. But the next loop's at night, which is much slower.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And at best, you're going to hold even on your cushion. Then the next lap, well, now you've been up for a whole day, and you're in the daytime again. But you, you've got all that fatigue, and you have the sleep deprivation.
2: And potentially, you going in the opposite yes, direction. Well, the
1: fourth lap is the worst one. That's the slowest
2: one. Really?
1: And then of the people who have finished, all but one or two have had to run, had to run the fifth lap faster than the fourth lap.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: In order to finish. So when you can do the math, you understand how all these laps are going to fall into place, which you've had to figure out after you figured the starting time because the night falls at different places. Then you know at all times that the time limit is right on your ass. Right. That if you get off course and you have to have a thirty minutes uh, of checking the map and casting about to get yourself back on track, you didn't have thirty minutes. You've got to make it up. Right. And yeah. So all the time, there's the pressure that you know. I have no cushion. I have no cushion. I have no cushion. I have to go. I have to go good. I have to be effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't get lost. I can't. Uh, I can't stop and deal with some major issue with my feet. It takes a long time. Yeah. And it it wears on you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then you're probably gonna get to the end of the fourth loop, and however long that loop took you. You might have to go an hour to two hours faster on okay. the last loop to finish.
0: And that's very that's physically demanding
1: <laughs> at that point. At that point, that's really demanding.
2: Yeah. It sounds delightful. Absolutely delightful. It, <laughs> if
1: it's really intense. Yeah. For two and a half days. yeah. And this is why you don't get to sleep because you have all these people that are out there with all these different things going on. The ones that you're kind of concerned about that until they come back into camp, you know they're not going to make it. The Warriors, they come in on loop three and they've got 18 minutes to cut off. Yeah. And by God, their mindset is such that they are not stopping. They literally, their crew has put some stuff in a pack, and they eat a couple of things and maybe maybe do a couple of minor things, maybe a little foot check or something on whether there's an issue. Make sure they got everything and go on. Yeah. Well, they're, they're dead men walking. You know they can't make it. they, they. <laughs> They didn't have enough time, they didn't have time to do a decent turnaround, which a really scientific crew can do in fifteen minutes, yeah, but they they didn't have, they did not have time to gather themselves, you can see the beating they've taken, you know that they're doomed, so you don't feel good till they come back from the woods, but at the same time, you know this is the person that's got it. they aren't quitting until it's over,
2: no. Yeah.
1: Oh. Uh, and then you've heard stories about ones that are still out on loop 1 and it's been more than a day. Yeah. They got in over their heads. They by god, whether it's timed out or not, they are going to complete a loop. So you're getting reads from people who have been out on the second loop or even the third loop.
0: Right. Okay. And,
1: and and they all say, you know, where did you see Fred? Well, Fred was Fred was on uh, the bad thing. Yeah. He looked like he was lost up around the keyhole. Okay, so Fred has moved forward since the last report. Everything's good. <laughs> yeah. When you finally get everyone, they're back in camp and accounted for. You've got the three or four runners. This is by. Uh, Sunday night, Monday morning.
2: Okay. Mm -hmm.
1: The two or three or four people that might still be left, they're solid, they're damaged, but they're not critical.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) They're they're lifting a little bit, but you don't think the water's going to start running over the bulkheads yet. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, so you think, I've got an hour before anyone should show up. Yeah, and then you go sleep for an hour, and when you wake up, your first thought is, "Where am I? What okay. the hell's going on?" I'm at a race. I'm at a race. I've been there. There's a there's a point in the in the uh, documentary that is especially pointed to me because I'm there talking to them. and it's right after I've taken my nap.
2: Okay. And
1: I remember it well because I had no idea where I was. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I knew it was a race, and hell, there's someone with a camera talking to me. So I'm just saying saying, (laughs) things. Everything I say is just to buy time. Yeah. While I I get my uh, orientation. runner, 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 runner. And I'm sitting over there just. You know, two days without sleep hallucinations going on, <laughs> and they're hollering runner, and I think, there's something I have to do.
2: Yeah.
1: What is it? What is it? <sighs> okay, it's a race. I, I don't know. It doesn't say much for my for my sense to have been this many times I've been in a situation where I have start my evaluation situation by saying, I know I'm at a race. <laughs> I have a
0: job. <laughs> Don't know quite which where, but at um, other ways.
1: <laughs> what is this stuff around me? Which place, which place is this I'm at?
0: <laughs> <laughs> what have been your most intense hallucinations? Do you remember any of them? Uh,
1: yeah, I was at the park, and I was sitting by the yellow gate. Okay. I was just down from the Yellow Gate, waiting on a, waiting on the last runner to come in so I could take a nap, but mm-hmm. I kind of lost track, and the Yellow Gate looked like a country store.
2: Right. It, of
1: course, the, the Yellow Gate was just a fragment of it, it just the shadows in the background and the stuff that all combines in it. it was a country store with a porch, and I was wanting to go lay on the porch. Right. And then the sky was like the ceiling of a a big uh, like a big airplane hangar, except it was the size of a of a football stadium dome.
0: Right. Okay.
1: And I could I could see I think that there was lightning. It was a thunderstorm going on, and so it was like stuff shooting down the sides of the of this hangar I'm in. And I was really struggling to keep a grip. That was the that was the first year Jared Campbell finished.
2: Okay. Mhm.
1: And I was waiting on him to he'd come in and gone to the bathhouse and was going to do his his I think what I think it was his wife that was his crew he had somebody there as a crew and they were taking care of me. He was going to go back out. And that was going to be the point where I could take my nap, but I had really reached the end of my tether, and the hallucinations were just taking over.
2: Yeah, yeah. You
1: have the stage where the, the, you start hallucinating from fatigue, and you, you think, I know it's a hallucination, and you can focus and make it go away. Yeah. And then you have the stage where the, you still you still know it's a hallucination, but you no longer can focus and make it go away. Yeah. Yeah. They just keep going. The stage beyond that, I don't want to find.
0: <laughs> You've never found it yet, then?
1: I, I, well, I just what I know. <laughs> Fair enough. I might have no awareness, of it. Okay.
0: <laughs> Well, finally, then. Tell me something that most people wouldn't know about you.
1: Oh, God. Why would most people not know about I've no idea uh, I know I I know that uh, I what would people not know about me? what would they care
0: <laughs> oh people care we're nosy you know
1: yeah I, I i can't imagine that i know that i was sitting i was reading the news yesterday cuz i always like to read the news
2: Okay. And I
1: saw it the clickbait headlines. Mm-hmm. God, only idiots click on clickbait headlines. You can recognize, them, but sometimes you do anyway. Of course. Right? You do it. You do it too.
2: Of course you do. Everyone does.
1: <laughs> At least pretend you do. But I saw it says the 101 greatest movie endings of all time. Okay. Now, why I cared about that, I don't know. <laughs> because that I don't really much watch movies.
2: Of course.
1: So I clicked on it and I went through all 101
2: movies
1: <laughs> and I hadn't seen any of them.
0: Right. <laughs> Have you started watching them or are you going to leave you that know, up to science?
1: I, I, lack the, I lack the focus to watch a movie.
0: There's something people don't know about you.
1: <laughs> I, I can't sit still. In one place and not do something. I have to be actively doing something all the time.
0: Yeah, of course. Or I sleep. Sleeping is good. As in athletes,
1: settings,
0: athletes need sleep. On. Race directors need sleep. More than most. <laughs> I would As say.
1: a runner, the ability to fall asleep instantly and anywhere is a is a useful a useful tool. You know, you can run a race and get five minutes sleep, and it only costs you five minutes off.
2: That's good. That's In a, a business skill.
1: Meeting, it's a skill that has no value.
0: I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> well, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to me today. It has been amazing.
1: Well, it's, it's been enjoyable. I hope I didn't use too much of your day.
0: No, absolutely not. I could go on and on and on.